Father, I love that song because it speaks of the truth of your word. Even when we do not know what tomorrow holds, you know the path forward and your word lights the way. Thank you that we are not a people who walk in darkness. The light of your saving grace, your glorious presence is with us, shines in us and through us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and now take this glorious word that we're about to look at and bring life into our lives through it. Pray that you would ignite in us here, Father, a new fire, a holy passion for you. And so we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. Transform us more and more into the image of our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I want to start just by giving a brief update on where we are with the building at St. Andrews. Uh, some of you saw this or heard it on the, the recording that we sent out a week or so ago about the annual parish meeting, and you heard an update, but let me just reiterate some of the things that were said. So we're out of the building, obviously. Um, reconstruction is on, underway. We've, we've got materials ordered. Um, it looks like it won't be until the end of August that we're back in the building. Uh, there was a lot of damage. It's going to take a lot of time to repa repair. But I want you to know there's a tremendous team of people who are going before us to ensure that we're going to have a beautiful space to worship uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, we're going to do a few different things, uh, redo some of the classrooms, especially the adult classrooms, to make them more usable. So well, we're going to put some, some extra money in just to ensure that we're going to make the best use of that space. So keep uh, this team, uh, all that goes on, keep that in your prayers. We'll give you updates uh, as, as we hear more updates. Um, but I'm grateful to say we're, we're on our way uh, and we will be there at some point. And I set that up this morning, not just to give you information about the building ahead and, and what, when we'll be able to actually move back in. I share that because it hit me a few weeks ago as Kimberly and I were praying. All of a sudden, I realized how much my thoughts and my mind had been on all of the reconstruction of St. Andrew's Church, <laughs> the, the making it more beautiful, uh, what things can look like, things that Maybe I'm glad we're changing some things so that we can do some things differently. And I realized I've been given a lot of time and attention to that. And then it hit me that there's another building project that's going on, <laughs> one that's far greater and will have much deeper implications. And that's the building project that God is doing in each of our lives. It's the reconstruction, if you will, of our hearts, of our lives to make us more and more into the image of Jesus, to make our lives shine more of His brilliance that the world around us would see. That's a sense we're going to look at this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2. Dustin just read it, but I want to read verse 5 again, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Peter writes in his whole talk at this point in his letter on the church, God's people being a holy people. He writes this, you yourselves are like living stones or being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer sac spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What I want you to see is while the house of St. Andrews is important, <laughs> that building, there's a greater house, and that's the spiritual house of our lives, friends, that God is so much more concerned about. 
that we, I believe, need to lean into with a greater passion, a greater desire, a greater longing for holiness. You know, I told you a second ago, I've given a lot of thought to what St. Andrew's Church will look like once we're back in. And this time has been a real challenging time for me. It's been a challenging time for many of you. But for me in particular with this, you know, I'm realizing that God is saying, Robert, I want you to give a greater emphasis, a greater attention, a greater intentionality to the work I'm doing in your heart over and above the work that he's going to be doing in that building. You see, God is longing for holiness in our lives, friends, that we would look more and more like our Savior to the world around us. You know, Gandalf said in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, I think these prophetic words from Middle Earth, he said, the darkness is deepening. The darkness is deepening. We live in a post-Christian culture today. The darkness is deepening all around us. We see it every single day, don't we? You know, there are more and more people who are growing up who've never set foot in a church. More and more people that when they hear the name Jesus, they're like, who? And that may surprise some of you, but that's a reality of where we are, even in the South, even in the Bible Belt. That belt has become unbuckled. Things are changing. Things are changing rapidly. And one of the things I see little bits are Christians, followers of Jesus who are blending in so much more with the culture that their lives are actually being shaped and molded more by what the culture is saying and inviting us into than what God and his word is inviting us into and are really allowing God's word to shape and form our lives. Friends, if we are no different, people aren't going to see Jesus. If we're not going to be different, I can tell you this, we're not going to be very attractive. Or you might look good on the outside, but you certainly aren't going to be very attractive to someone who's not a follower of Jesus. Because I can tell you this, when we are living holy lives, and I'm not talking perfect lives, you'll get, you'll get this in a minute. When we are living lives that are reflecting the light and glory of Jesus, I can tell you we're the most attractive people on the face of the earth. And that's what people are drawn to. They're seeing Jesus in our lives. Remember the time when Jesus called you to himself. You saw something probably beautiful in another person. I know for me, it was when I was in college at Old Miss, having a great time, as you do there. Yeah, some of you know that. Um, and this guy, his name was Scott Bridges. He began to disciple me for three years. And I saw in this man something different that I didn't see in a whole lot of other people. But I saw the very presence and beauty and glory of Jesus in his life, the way he lived. And it was attractive to me. And God used his life to draw me to come to know Jesus and to see his beauty and majesty. Friends, that's what the Lord longs to do in your life and in mine. Simon Ponsonby, who wrote a book titled The Pursuit of the Holy, wrote this. No one will listen to our gospel if we're not living it. We cannot influence or infect society with something that has not yet infected us. A saltless salt cannot savor and flavor. The church cannot light a fire if she is not on fire. 
I love that last statement. The church cannot light a fire if she's not on fire. Friends, we don't need to be a people who come in here Sunday after Sunday and sit and just go, okay, that was good, and then just kind of go on about the week with, without being stirred. We need a fire lit under us if we are going to be the light of Christ in our families' lives, in this community's life. You know, for years, I have prayed for revival here in Little Rock. I've prayed for revival in central Arkansas and beyond. And can I tell you what I'm coming to realize? (laughs) Revival begins when the church begins to look more holy. Revival begins when we take the call to be a holy people set apart for God, where we're giving ourselves to the things that God loves. Because when we love what God loves and our lives reflect that, guess what's going to happen to a city? People are going to see it. And it's going to begin to be changed. And friends, that's what I long to see happen through you all here at St. Andrews going out into the world in Little Rock today. You see, what becomes attractive about Christianity is when people see God in us. When they see Jesus in us. There's two points I want to hit at in this section in in 1 Peter chapter 2. Simple points. First is this. The call to holiness is first a call to relationship. The call to holiness is first a call to relationship. And the second thing we're going to look at is this. It's also an invitation to display the holiness of God to a watching world. First, the call for holiness is an invitation to relationship with God. We see this in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You'll see where I'm going with this. For he writes, you yourselves are like living stones being built up in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We, the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus, are, as Peter wrote, a holy priesthood. Now, in chapter 1, right before this, he referred to the church, quoting from Leviticus in the Old Testament, that we we are called to be holy because God is holy. And here's what we read. This is 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he called you, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What I want to say is this. Holiness first comes by receiving relationship with God before going out and doing. We so often get it wrong. I don't know what your background might have been growing up if you were in the church, but but I certainly experienced this in some of my days in the church early on, that it was more about doing. Go do, and then, you know, you'll show God. Just go do, 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 and kind of, here's a list of five things you're supposed to do. Do this, but don't do that. And we get all that doing, but we miss out. The first call is to relationship. It's to receive. Because, friends, we can't be holy by just going and doing. We are holy because of the relationship that we've been brought into through Jesus. And that's why we continue to celebrate, as we've said it already here in the season of Easter, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Because He has risen, we, are, we by His grace, become reconciled into a relationship with the living God. We need to remember this clearly, that before that, God is, God is holy. And you and I aren't. 
<laughs> we just have to get that straight. He's holy. We're not. We're sinners, okay? But he longed for relationship with us. And that's why he brought Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that you and I could not live, to go to the cross to shed his blood. As I mentioned the other week, that is his blood shed for us. We become whiter than snow. As a church, we need to understand that as God sees us, he sees us as holy. He sees us with our new identity. We need to begin to see ourselves in that way. You see, but in all of this, God brought us into relationship with his holiness. And so because we are now in relationship with him, guess what? We become holy. We begin to see the character of God and encounter the character of God through relationship. And it begins to change the trajectory and the view and the way we live our lives. You see, here's what I want you to hear. Holiness is formed through practices that deepen our relationship with God. Relationship comes first. But there are practices that I believe we're called into to demonstrate and live out of that love of God for us. Practices like this, spending time meditating on the Scriptures. I love it that, that Joshua, in one of my favorite books in the, in the Old Testament, I was talking to the newcomers class about it today, says, don't let this book of the law depart from you. This, friends, is life. You want to know the living God? He is right here. And he jumps out of these words as the living God into our lives. And he transforms us. Begins by spending time meditating on the word of God. Having time of prayer. Having times of fasting in your life where you're giving something up to surrender, to say, God, I want more of you. And to have more of you, I realize there are things in my life that I've got to give up. And the Holy Spirit works, friends, in powerful ways through fasting. But also coming together for worship regularly. It's so good that we can be back together. Amen? We need to continue that and having fellowship with one another. Then having, as, as I spoke about during Lent, a Sabbath day's rest in the Lord. Friends, all these things are not about going, okay, I can check off my list as a Christian that I'm doing. It's not about that. It's about deepening our relationship with the God who has saved us. And through there, friends, we can't help but begin to see our lives are reshaped more and more around the holiness of God. You see, the call to be holy, look at it in this way. It's an invitation to new life. You want to find yourself coming more and more alive, living out of who you were created to be, you will see that. It's an invitation to life for you and me, but it's an invitation for those who don't know Jesus to come to life with him. Because as we love people as he loves us, they begin to see and have an idea of who this God is that we come to worship. At the beginning of chapter 2 in 1 Peter, Peter picks up on his train of thought a few verses before so let me read this, and you'll see the context where I'm going with this, of how important it is that others see the life of Christ through us. So in chapter 1, verse 22, Peter writes, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's crucial. 
You want to know what it looks like to display holiness? It's that we're not only loving God, but we're loving others, the people that are around us. That's one of the main ways that people see the holiness of God through our lives. And so to that end, Peter writes this at chapter 2, verse 1 and following. And this is where it gets challenging. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Beloved, I urge you, this is verse 11, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Peter is not just giving us an invitation here. He's giving us a challenge. He's giving us a challenge where he uses these words to put off these things, put away. It's it's the language of taking your clothes off. And so what he's saying is these things that are distorting the holiness of God in your life, name them and put them off. You see? And put them off so that we may put on more of the holiness of God. You see, we need to be aware of those things. I wonder what they are for you. You know, Peter doesn't give us an exhaustive list here of things we need to stop doing or behaviors we need to stop. He just lists a few. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. I wonder what some of those are for you. What do you see in your life that you need to take now and put off? What are those behaviors, those patterns of your life that are offensive to God and get in the way of you really reflecting His glory and His life? You you might easily hear some of those and go, okay, I'm not deceitful. I'm not a hypocrite. I may say, well, yeah, you kind of are because I think we all are. Um, You may say, well, I, I I don't treat people with malice. Maybe you don't, but do you gossip? Do you judge others? Do you condemn others with your thoughts and your words instead of blessing them with what you think about them and the words you say to them? It gets a little more closer to home, doesn't it, when we really do name those things that are offensive to the Lord and that hinder others from seeing the glory and beauty Because, friends, if we're going to be a people that we say we love one another, then we need to lean into that and be aware and be people who are daily putting these things off. You know, I would say, as as, as Peter talks about it here, we need to be vigilant about this. Not just something that we think about every now and then, but we need to be vigilant in the pursuit of a holy life. Because, again, a holy life, we become more alive And so do the people around us. In verse 11, uh, Peter wrote these words, pretty challenging. He writes, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh. In a sense, he's saying this, As ones I love, I beg you, I strongly appeal to you. And friends, I would say to you, I know y'all, I would say the same thing because I love you. I love what God is doing in your lives in this church that we call St. Andrews. 
But I would urge you, as I urge myself, flee from those things. Seek the holiness of God. Let your life become more and more whole through His presence. That your life would become a greater light to those around you. Well, that's going to change this city. That's going to change the culture that we live in. Friends, I want to say this because I think I need to say it. I mentioned it before, but you know, holiness comes from a heart that's transformed and being, and being transformed through relationship with God, not merely doing a bunch of things or following a bunch of rules. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to become the Pharisee where it's just, okay, if I just do this, this, and this. Those were the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And you know what he said about them? He said, you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb. (laughs) You look really good on the outside, but inside there's no heart. What people need to see is the heart. They need to see our lives, the behavior of our lives, coming from a heart that is truly being transformed by God's grace. That's attractive. That's God, is it not? So, friends, I'll say this. I'm going to hit the second point. It's going to be very brief. But it matters how we live our lives. It matters how we live our lives for God's glory in His kingdom purposes. I think that's why Peter wrote this in verse 9 and 12 of chapter 2. Listen to this. He wrote, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. And here's the key that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And then verse 12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of His visitation. Do you see the calling of our lives? It is so much greater than... uh, Listen, I think we tend to whittle our lives into something just like this. We just live in this one little circle right here. And it can get boring and mundane and ordinary. I know what that's like. But when we step out of that circle into this incredible realm of following the Lord with an intentionality to pursue holiness, you come alive because you will begin to see the greater calling of your life is to proclaim the excellencies of our God. As I said last week, you've got a story to tell. Every person in this room has a story to tell. Your life every day is part of the story. And when we are able to give testimony to the greatness of our God and His forgiving grace and His love and mercy, friends, people listen when we really live it out. So the call for us is to bring the holiness of God to this watching world around us. R.C. Sproul put it this way, He was speaking one day on the the, the verse, You shall be holy, for I am holy. By the way, that's one of the most quoted verses throughout the Scriptures. But in quoting that verse, You shall be holy, for I am holy, here's what R.C. Sproul said. This special call to Israel was really not new. It didn't begin with Moses or even Abraham. The call to holiness first was given to Adam and Eve. We were created in the image of God. To be God's image men, among other things, that we are to mirror and reflect God's character. We were created to shine forth to the world the holiness of God. I can't think of any greater gift than your life can give 
to someone in your family or your neighbor, whoever you work with, than to bring to their very presence the holiness of God. Wow. What a privilege. But that's our calling that we're invited into every day. I'm going to say this. We're going to wrap up. As I look back over church history, and I read different accounts where revival happened in a community or in a nation, do you know where it all began first? Was with the church leaning into holiness. Isn't that amazing? You trace back revival after revival over the centuries, and you'll see first what was happening. People in the church, and it started with one person, and then the others started pursuing the holiness of God. And then the community began to be changed around them. And that's what I long to see happen here in Little Rock, then the communities around us. Last week, Gus and I were talking, and there's someone he was visiting with the day before who goes to St. Andrews, and um, he, this friend, this person was sharing something the Lord had revealed to him. One was a vision that he had over St. Andrews, but the second one was words of a heart longing for purity. And Dustin read it to me, and I said, can I share it? And the person who gave it to him to share said, yes. So I want to read what he wrote. This is this man's prayer and longing for holiness. And as I read it, I'm going to do it as a prayer from my heart and over you all that we would be a people who lean into the holiness and purity of God. So let me close with this. Feel free to lean into this as a prayer. Purify me from anything that would fall short of treating God as holy or offending His Holy Spirit. Purify me from anything that would hinder me from entering into the kingdom of God as a sinner in need of mercy and as a child. Purify me from anything that would hinder anyone else from entering the kingdom of God. Purify me from anything that would worry about being dignified or worry about what others would think. Give me the shamelessness of a naked child. Purify me from taking either glee or empathy at the torment of those who are not able to enter the kingdom of God. Purify me from anything that would take offense at God's love. Purify me from anything that would leave the Holy Spirit vulnerable to reproach or mockery. Purify me from anything that would hesitate to enter the kingdom of God or to bless those who are entering it. Purify me from anything that would seek to hoist myself up or take away from God's glory. And purify me from anything that would fall short of coming as a child or coming of a sinner in desperate need of mercy. Jesus, I pray these words for me. I pray this over all of us who are here and listening on. As I remember those prophetic words from Gandalf, the darkness is deepening. I recognize that when we give ourselves to you, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that the darkness in our presence is going to flee because we bring the very presence of the light of Christ. So would you ignite in us by your grace a new holy heavenly fire that we may burn with holy passions and the light we bring would be the light of the glory that you have. Bring revival. And let it start with us in this room. We pray this in Christ's name.
Amen.